0: The word of God that comes to us today is in the parable. See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How do you get to a wedding? A car, yes. Or... Love, or an invitation, or a bus, or a horse and buggy, you can walk, um, a limo, all these ways you can get there. Uh, One person said the one way that you can't come without, usually, right? Can you get to a wedding without an invitation? Huh? Let's vote. Who says yes? Uh, Who says no? Okay, you all know. Uh, most of you know that you can get there even if you are not invited. And you call that crashing the wedding, right? People love it when you crash a wedding, don't they? (laughs) A Mr. and Mrs. Fox who got married in 2017, they made the news uh, in New Jersey, uh, Channel 6 ABC News. They did a, a story on Mr. and Mrs. Fox, newlyweds. They were married and they had some guests show up who were not invited no big deal, it happens all the time, right? But they wanted to get in touch with these people. They never actually met them. They had pictures of them all over the place. This couple that came and found a spot at a table, someone else wasn't there, they just sat there. Uh, they came and they, they danced with the nieces the nieces of the, uh, the bride. They had a good old time. They got their whole table up and dancing. It was great fun. They went outside, everybody else, and got a Polaroid taken of themselves, They were having fun. They were partying, right? Good times. They then took, wrote out a little card, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Fox, congratulations. And in the letter, or in the card, they put the Polaroid, the picture of them, and they said, thanks for letting us crash your wedding. And then they said, they put in a dollar. And they said, a buck for good luck. Isn't that sweet? I don't know. It probably cost, how much did that cost the parents of the bride to have them there? I don't know. A lot, right? 150 bucks. I don't know. Wasn't cheap, wasn't free, right? Um, And they, they put in a whole dollar? Come on, right? Well, they weren't trying to pay for their dinner, were they? They knew that they were freeloaders, but they were there to have fun. So Mr. and Mrs. Fox, like, they didn't realize it at the time. Like, oh, I thought they were with you. No, I thought they were with you. It wasn't until the next day when their suspicions were confirmed when they opened up that card and knew that they were wedding crashers. But they had so much fun. These people, these people genuinely were there to celebrate with them, even though they didn't know them. Sounds odd, doesn't it? So the ABC station was running this story because they wanted to find them and thank them for the buck for good luck. They were genuinely happy that their wedding got crashed. Would you? <laughs> Took my wife all of a millisecond to answer that. All right, so we got a guard. We need some guards at our, at our kids' weddings, so... No crashers. All right. Well, it's a bizarre story, isn't it? It's is just its sort of strange. Um, you might hear these sometimes here and there, but it usually doesn't happen. It's unheard of to get to a wedding without being invited, right? It just doesn't happen, right? Well, Jesus today also tells a bizarre story about a wedding where there's some crashers. There's some wedding crashers. Open up your bulletin or your Bible. Matthew chapter 22. And we'll kind of just walk through this and see how does this relate to us. It relates so much to us. It starts off like this. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables. So that little word again, we could just breeze past that and just get to the story that Jesus tells us. But we're going to pause a second. Again, Jesus told us, uh, spoke to them in parables. Right? Matthew 22, here's a math question for you. Matthew 22 follows. Matthew 21. You guys (laughs) are good. Sorry, that was dumb. Uh, In Matthew 21, Jesus rides in to Jerusalem. He's riding on on a a colt. And this symbolic gesture, and he shows up to the temple with all the people saying, Hosanna to the King of David. He receives their accolades. In doing this, he's saying, Yes, I am the King of Israel. He rides in, and then a couple days later on Tuesday, which we have in our report here, the chief priests and the elders come up to Jesus as he's teaching in the temple and say, who said you could do this? Right? Who gave you this authority? Right? How can you ride in as king of Israel? How can you teach us like you are the boss? Right? You're not the boss. We're the bosses. Or maybe Rome's the boss. You're not the boss, Jesus. Right? Do you have this story in mind? And then Jesus says, well, I'll answer you. And he answers in four ways by what authority can I do these things? He tells four ways at the end of Matthew 21, and here in Matthew 22, and I won't go into it in depth, but the first one, is he says basically, all right, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things, if you tell me what you think about John the Baptist, is he from heaven, or is he from man? In other words, is he a prophet and true, or is he just a deceiver? And they can't answer it. They say, well, if we say he's from heaven, he'll say to us, well, why didn't you listen to him? And if we say he's from man, all the people will get mad at us because they think he's a prophet. So that's the first episode. The second one, we didn't talk about it here in church, but it's about two kids, right? There is one son who the dad says, hey, go work in the vineyard. And the son says, no, I'm not going to do it. But then he ends up going. That's the first son. The other son says, yeah, okay, dad, I'll do it. And he, he gets distracted on his video games and he never does it. So Jesus asks them, which son obeyed? Everybody? First, the first one, right? The one who said, no, I'm not doing it, but then ended up doing it. And he says, that's the tax collectors and the sinners. The ones who right now are saying no to God. They changed their mind and said, okay, God. That's the second story Jesus tells. The third one, if you were here last week, there Jesus tells a story about a vineyard. A guy set up this vineyard. It's an awesome place to live and work. And then he goes and sends some servants to collect some of his rent, which is, you know, the grapes and stuff. And these renters act like they're the owners. They think that this gift of the vineyard is now theirs. So they are trying to, to steal what does not belong to them. So that's the second story. In that story, the, the tenants end up killing the son. So this is heated stuff. Today, Jesus tells a story about. Another story, and so we have to put it in that context. This is Tuesday of Holy Week. Two days later, it'll be Thursday, the sun will go down. Jesus knows that he will be arrested. He will go to trial overnight, and he will be condemned to death, and on that Friday, he will be put to death. This is not just like a ho-hum story, you know, sometime in Jesus' life. This is right before he's arrested by these guys, right? So Jesus has some words for them. But he also has words for us. Let's take a look. So all that to say, we got through the first word or two. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables. So this is the story Jesus said. Are you there with me? The kingdom of heaven is like this. It may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. I know some of you moms and dads are thinking about your own kids, about to be married, or a wedding that you had recently. Is it a lot of work? Right, to get ready for your daughter's wedding or your son's wedding. It's a lot of work. Is it a joy? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great experience to have a wedding for your kids. Haven't done it yet, but I've been in a bunch of weddings, and it's a, it's a great joy. And so when we think here that king has a son, don't just think like, okay, some guy who lives in Luxembourg, right, who wears purple clothes. Think Caesar. Think the king of the United States think the biggest guy in the world, right? Caesar, his son is getting married. And so what does Caesar do? I'm going to throw a party, right? And so he invites all the important people, the vassals, the generals, all the big shots. He tells them ahead of time, on this day, the the wedding's going to happen. And then he sends out servants to say, okay, now is the time. Come, come to the wedding feast. It's this morning, it's starting. And um, for some of you who've, done wedding plans and you have your list of 80 or 150 people and you're inviting all the people and you get these RSVPs back, right? Well, what if you got uh, RSVPs back from everybody and you come to your wedding and a couple people don't show? That'd be sad, wouldn't it? A whole table decided, this family no longer wants to be associated with me. They're not coming. That'd be a big letdown, wouldn't it? This table is empty. Can you picture it? Like, there'd be this family conflict for a long time. The so-and-sos didn't even bother to show up, right? What an insult. Okay? Now, pretend like, not just that table's empty, but every table in the whole banquet hall is completely empty. If you're the king, what does that say about your kingship? Yeah. Yeah. They don't want you to be king. They could care less about you as king, right? So you could just react right then. But instead, this king does this. Take a look. Um, Verse 4. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited. In other words, those people who didn't show up, who said they were going to be here, none of them showed up. That's okay. I'm going to invite them again. Tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready The food is hot. The drinks are cold. I've slaughtered. I've killed this animal for our party. Come. Come to the wedding feast. So do they change their minds? No. They don't change their minds. Instead, it says they paid no attention, which literally means they didn't care. They didn't care. And then they make excuses. One goes off to his farm. One goes to his business. Right? Pretty bad but then it gets worse. So Jesus' story just ramps up, right? So then Jesus, said, or the, the master, the king, sends uh, to others, and these people, rather than just saying, please leave us, we're not going to the party, they kill the servants, who the messengers, the, the mailmen, they kill them, right? Wow. So not only do you despise my rulership, you're trying to overthrow me, right? So think for, if this was Caesar, what would he do? He does exactly what is said here, right? The king was angry and he destroyed that city. Does the king give up? He's like, "Well, oh, well, we tried. All the important people wouldn't come. I guess we won't have a party. No. They have a party. So the king does not give up. Instead, he says, well, I don't care. If those people don't want to come, if they're not worthy, I will find others who are worthy. We know the story. Go there. He sends others out. Go to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find oh let me just back up a second one, one thing I just wanted to say about this is oh it's the candle yeah Josh is on it he's got the fire extinguisher this is like incense yeah it's I'm sure it's uh, melting the plastic time out everybody Josh, I don't know where Josh is. Um, We need something to just cover that. And we need some fresh air. Well, I wasn't expecting this. Um, Let's see if we can figure this out. It's, It's melting the plastic on the side. It's not out here. Hold on. Uh, well, if it the oxygen's out now well, I guess we'll just cancel church <laughs> right? thank you, Liz. I think it's okay well, if this starts on fire we might have to cancel church, but I think it's okay okay alright, okay so, I'm not going to give up Just like the king didn't give up, right? He's like, well, things did not go as planned, but uh, I'm going to keep on going here. All right. It's smoldering a little bit. Might need something smaller. (laughs) There we go. Hopefully that's pretty good. This is a beautiful piece of um, uh, liturgical Furniture, isn't it? All right. So the king doesn't give up, even though things don't go as planned, right? Well, he's like, he's going to keep on rolling with it. He's still going to have a party. So he says, go out everywhere, go to the crossroads and invite whoever you found. And people come in. People come into the banquet, and he says, here's the. uh, But I just didn't want to back up one second. Um, This is a question. Thank you, Ken. Let's give Ken a round of applause. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try to reel everyone back in, although it might be impossible at this point. Well, I just, want, just one thing that's, that's helpful for us to remember is that um, do we, sometimes we often think, well, God will excuse us if we have other plans, right? If God wants to do his things, well, I have other plans. Is that going to work out okay for me? No, in the story here, the, the party will go on. Just like today, the sermon will go on, right? It's going to happen. Uh, so the king does not give up. He sends out everyone, right? The riffraff, everywhere, at all the crossroads, and they come in. And here's an encouraging thing. The ones that come in are both the bad and the good. That's what Jesus tells us. It's not just the good, the important, but it's the bad and the good. All right, that's where we are right now. Take a look at verse 11. Well, before we get there, I told you about Mr. and Mrs. Fox and their wedding, right? How this wedding crasher came in and, um, and they loved it. Wedding crashers, uh, this couple came in, they even gave them a, a Polaroid of them, gave them a card, a buck for good luck. Well, is that how it always goes when there's a wedding crasher? Not usually, right? Which is why you don't want one at your wedding. Um, I just read about a woman, I won't tell your name, but in three different states, she was wanted and uh, this is what she was wanted for. Um, she was wanted for petite, larceny, trespassing, and disturbing of the peace. Why? Because she showed up at weddings, and she had a card, and she would just trade it for another card or ten, right? She would go to weddings, not at all to rejoice with the couple, but just to make a little transaction on the side. Maybe she ate something to to fit in, maybe not. Well, she was found out, and she was recently arrested. I don't know how she's doing. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. Right? If you want to go to a wedding, get to know the people and ask, uh, you know, even if it's a social faux pas, you really got to be there. Say, do you have any more room or can I wash dishes? Anything, right? Well, the same thing happens in Jesus' story. Right? There is this wedding feast and the king came in to look at the guests. Now think for a moment. The king come in to look at the guests and in his mind originally it was all the important people. The vassals, the generals, the landowners. But instead he comes in. Who's there? Road, the road people, right? Whatever that is. Probably not the, the, the highest level of society. It's just whoever answered the call to come to the wedding feast, right? Maybe that's you. Maybe that, you know someone like that. Someone who's down on their luck. Well, the king come, comes in and looks at the guests. And he sees them all there. But then he sees one, a man, who had no wedding garment. And then he goes on and says, He said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Now, we don't know exactly what this wedding garment is. Sometimes, think Caesar. He's got all the means in the world. If you go to his son's wedding, can he give you, you know, a robe that would signify, like a, a purple robe to celebrate? Could he do that? Absolutely. There's no hard evidence that, that that's what happened. But often, it seems like that's what Jesus is saying here. Those who came in got a robe. They got to the correct attire, right? These bums off the street, like me and you, got a robe. Okay? And, but there's a, here's one that doesn't have a robe. It's kind of like that lady who traded her stuff, her nothing, for, for the stuff that wasn't hers. Uh, she wasn't there for the party. In the same way, it seems like this guy's not there for the party. But does the king, would the king want this person there? Yeah. And he, the king says, invite them all. Well, why zero in on this one? Why say this one can't be there? Well, he's not there for the party. He's not coming there to celebrate. He's not there for the king and for the son and for the bride. There's some reason he's not there. He doesn't have the right robe. Right? And so he's thrown out, just like the lady I told you about was arrested and taken away. Right? That would be embarrassing at your wedding. But here it happens at the son's wedding. this person is taken out. We often think—I think we're often tempted to um, think—that we can just get in the feast, and we don't have to get there on the terms of the king, right? The terms of the king's son. Let me just pause for a moment to think about this, right? If God is inviting every person to the feast, why would He then ask some to leave? kind of a sobering thought, is it not? And he says it because he doesn't have the robes. And that might look like a lot of different things. And I'll just propose to you, this is from Isaiah 61, which we read earlier. It says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall rejoice in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. So where might we get this robe of righteousness? It seems like it doesn't come from our best efforts, right? Because we know our best efforts fall short. Even if we've only sinned once, we have violated the king, but we have violated the king more than one time. We have offended the king, and so we need a robe, the robe that he freely gives. The truth is that we're beggars. Uh, Martin Luther, and I'll just say this just kind of as an aside. um, Martin Luther, when he died, uh, his last sermon... And this relates to what we see in the Middle East right now. His last sermon was a call for the Jewish people to repent. But it was also a time where he himself said, some re- let me pause, where he himself repented in his sermon. And he said, in the past, I've said some things about the Jewish people where I was too harsh. My goal was that they would repent and turn to Jesus, but I said things that were not right. You've heard of the things that Martin Luther has said about the Jews, right? They were out of place. He repented of that in his very last sermon. He still wanted every Jewish person to believe in their Messiah. That was the last thing he preached. The last thing he said, and this relates to our robe of righteousness, the last thing he said is, um, nevertheless, I am baptized. He didn't look at his own efforts of being a reformer, a preacher, a former monk. None of that. He says, what, "Why? Why am I getting into the feast? I am baptized." Now, I don't give that to you as a false hope. Like, okay, I got my little ticket, baptism, and I can live how I want. No. In baptism, I am clothed with someone else's righteousness—the righteousness of Jesus. He gives it to me as I trust in Him. Right? The last thing that Martin Luther wrote that we know of was found in his pocket when he died. It was six words. And it was this We are beggars. This is true. We are beggars. This is true. And in this story, multitudes come in to the wedding feast. And they're all wedding crashers. They weren't originally invited. But the king reached out and invited. We are those beggars. We have nothing. This is true. In Jesus, we have... In, in, Je- in this story, the king did everything to provide the supper, which included, included giving the animals for the sake of the party. And in, in Jesus, God has given us the sacrifice, his own sacrifice to prepare the party that will last forever. And in Jesus, we can't just give our buck and say, here's a, a buck for good luck. But we can say, I'm going to be at the party. Take my little scraps of paper, my my words, my deeds that mean nothing. Take them all. Here's a buck for good luck. It's not paying for the feast. It's not paying for the wedding party. But in Jesus, and I'll just end with this. It, it might sound a little hokey. But in Jesus, our Polaroid is in a card. It has us pictured there in a robe of righteousness with Jesus' arm around us and and it's delivered to the Son and it's opened with great joy. In the name of Jesus, amen.